it's like a light switch. Once you clear enough, it just, boom, it, you become magnetic because the thing is, is that at our core, we are all these positive feelings that we're trying to get, right? At our core, we are love. We are joy. We are grateful. We're all these things that we're trying to muscle our way to through our brain. And my theory is rather than try to like force yourself into these feeling states, if you just clear the junk, like I always say, I always think of it like a closet full of crap, but like your golden heart is like in there, right? In this beautiful little case, it's in there. It's just buried by a bunch of stuff. And so when you start clearing that out, you can open the case and you can give your heart to someone else. Natural as can be. And when you are radiating love and joy and gratitude, men will start to see you and flock to you and be drawn in by you. And it's fascinating because it can happen online or in real life. Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. Allison, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Allison Jane Ewing is a seasoned psychotherapist and EFT practitioner. And after experiencing a divorce herself, she decided to focus on helping other middle life women find healthy, available single men who will love and adore them. She uses EFT or tapping to help women clear their blocks to successfully date. And I'm really excited to talk about EFT. It's something that I actually use in my own practice with my clients and help women working through their own blocks, but I've never actually talked about it on the podcast. So I'm really excited to kind of jump into that. Let's just start with what is EFT? All right. Well, I'm excited. I didn't realize you use it. So that's very fun to hear. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, and it is basically a combination of some tried and true psychotherapy techniques with self-applied acupressure stimulation. So my clients will tap on their own acupressure points while we process emotionally laden material, anxiety, stress, frustration, negativity really of any kind. And what appears to happen is that while you're stimulating these acupressure points on your body, it sends a calming signal to the fight or flight part of your brain, to the emotion center, if you will. And so because it's calming that area of the brain, your brain is actually sort of forced to create a new neural pathway. I sort of talk about it like pouring water on a fiery emotion. And so in its very sort of basic, most simplest term, take a phobia as a great example. If you see a spider and you get all freaked out and fearful, but you're tapping while you're looking at that spider, eventually your brain is going to shut off the part that is creating the fear. And then you're forced to create a new neural pathway, which will then say, oh, this spider is not so bad in this example. So that's the gist of how EFT works. And the research on it is really exciting. It's Anecdotally, people always describe having these amazing breakthroughs, like I have cleared people's phobias in 10 minutes or less. But what we now know is going on in the body with blood and saliva tests that are out there is really exciting stuff. Tell me more about that. What are you seeing in the data as far as blood and saliva? Yeah. 
So one of the things they found very quickly was that the average production of cortisol of a group of people drops by 24% with just one session of tapping, up to 50% in some people. And for anyone who doesn't know, cortisol is our stress hormone. It's also the one that gets blamed for belly fat. So that's a good one to lower right away. I love this. I haven't heard that before. And I think that's really, really good information and helpful You know, when we have all these different techniques in our pockets as coaches and kind of in the healing space, when you have some science-backed data, that's really helpful to support the use of these different modalities. And, you know, I work actually in a fertility clinic full-time or, well, not full-time, that's my main job is working in a fertility clinic. And we talk a lot about stress management. And I'm just thinking about how beneficial EFT would be in that space and in that community you know, there's so many different uses. I use it for sexual confidence and empowerment for women. You use it for dating, which we're going to get into here in a second too. But there are so many different uses that it's not Mm -hmm. just like this, oh, you only use it for these handful (laughs) of things. You can use it for a ton of things. Last night, I was literally sitting in my car at sunset, which I always do. And I'm just kind of working through some things with my own business. And I was like, oh, this would be a really good opportunity to do some EFT for myself. Yeah, that's so cool because that's the one thing that I always love about it is that it is a self-help tool and it's literally at your fingertips anytime you need it. And so that's actually why I got trained in it. It was one of the things I was debating about getting trained in some different mind-body techniques. And I decided EFT because I loved the portability of it and that you can, you can use it you know, whenever, whenever you are in a situation, the guy who created it, Gary Craig, he is sort of famously known for saying, try it on everything because it works so well on so many different things. Ooh, you just inspired me to add this into my daily self-care routine because I think that utilizing this will just help me work through more things. And I think more individuals should also be using this in their routine. Would you recommend that? Absolutely. I do. I make the analogy to like brushing your teeth and going to the dentist. You know, I think there are certain things you're going to want to go to an EFT practitioner for that you maybe you can't work on yourself or it's just too emotionally laden, like a trauma or something like that. I would recommend going to a practitioner for. But if you just do like five, 10 minutes of tapping a day, you're really going to see some benefits. The other things they're finding in research is that it very quickly puts people into an alpha brainwave state, which is that sort of relaxed brainwave state most of us only experience maybe in meditation or as we're drifting off to sleep. And so they're finding on EEGs that that just tapping puts you in that state. And I've seen it many times where my clients say, oh, I feel kind of woozy or I feel kind of sleepy. And it's just, you're moving from beta, which is sort of the brainwave state we function in every day into that alpha very quickly, which is also a hypnotic state. So that's why you can almost kind of suggest things in that state once you're calm that are going to take root and take hold or sort of cancel out limiting beliefs, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, because that's how I use it with the dating. And so that can really shift. Also, there's some fascinating new research coming out on how it increases immunity in people, literally the blood immunoglobulins increase from tapping. And they've done some new studies on genes, on epigenetics, and they're showing, you know, sort of oversimplification I'm going to right now, but basically good genes turning on, bad genes turning off, 
with some prolonged uh, use of EFT. So most people will get really hung up when they first start on, am I doing it right? I don't know what to say. And I always like to explain the research because even if you're not, quote unquote, saying the right thing, you are doing a world of good for your body just by tapping because you're giving your body that rest and relaxed space that it needs. And that's where we produce DHEA, that human growth hormone that they sort of coin in you know, the media these days is the youth hormone. And so your body can only produce DHEA when it's in this parasympathetic, it's relaxed state. And simply by tapping, you put yourself in that parasympathetic relaxed state. Holy shit. I love all of this science that you're bringing here because <laughs> as a PA, as actually my background is genetics. So this whole epigenetics, yeah. Oh. But science is so to me, very important for understanding. I always want to understand the why behind things. And when I conceptually understand that, it makes more sense. And I'm more likely to utilize something if I understand what's actually happening and all of the whys. And I think that that's probably the same for a lot of people is when you really get the full picture, you're more inclined to use it. Absolutely. You know, you brought up DHEA. Yeah. Another interesting thing is that infertility, that's actually really important hormone mm-hmm. for women, especially with decreased ovarian reserve. And now you got my wheels turning. I have some friends that are infertility coaches who I'm like, oh, you should look into this for helping women in that space. Cause I think that would be another wonderful use. Absolutely. I mean, basically you're getting all the similar benefits that you get out of meditation. But for so many people, it's hard for them to just sit still and meditate without their mind, you know, really bothering them. Whereas this, I think, can be a little more helpful for people who struggle with that because you're actually actively doing something, but you're getting those same kinds of results biologically and biochemically that you get from meditation. That totally makes sense. And earlier when you were talking about the alpha waves and being able to get into that state, I instantly was thinking about meditation and how that's very similar to the concept of how meditation works. So I'm glad that you correlated the two. But I think a lot of people struggle with just sitting in silence. And this is a way to do something with your hands and kind of your mind, but still have that same outcome. So I love that. I'm definitely going to keep these little tools in my back pocket for... (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And the other thing I will say is that, you know, I was trained in it in back in 2014 originally. And I remember several years in, maybe four or five years into using it, having a practice devoted to it. I was upset about something in the car and my kid said, mom, you should probably tap right now. (laughs) And I realized A, they were right. And B, it still wasn't my go-to. Four years into my training, it still wasn't my go-to because When we get upset or angry, the blood from our frontal lobe drains and it concentrates in our emotion centers in our brain. So we actually can't access our good logic, reason, and judgment as well when we're anxious, angry, whatever. And so it's not necessarily going to be your go-to. You're not going to think about it in the moment. And the best time to use EFT is when you're in an emotion. And so if you're not thinking of it, you're not because you can't, you literally just don't remember it. You're not accessing it. The best way to have that be more automatic pilot is if you do it every day, you're more likely then to remember and to reach for it when you really need to in the heat of a very intense moment. Yes. Earlier, I was talking with somebody about meditation and 
being more present during sex and being able to receive pleasure more because of doing meditation. And they're like, well, how does that help? And that was the exact same rationale. And that the more often you do it, the easier it is to access that or to even Mm -hmm. consider that option when in a state of dysregulation or Mm -hmm. just kind of a non-normal state. Right. Absolutely. Ooh, I love that, by the way. That's what my whole chapter is about on sex. (laughs) It's about being present and mindful. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) How do you use EFT when it comes to dating? I am a single woman. I am out here dating, kind of, not really, but sort of some days. How would I or how would somebody use this? So the whole philosophy in my book actually is that what is keeping you from attracting in a great partner are your subconscious blocks and your limiting beliefs that you have. And that is what's going to continue to draw in the same type of person in a different body. You know what I mean? You can date like the same guy, but even though he's a different guy, he's kind of the same guy. So we all have these patterns, these like psychological schema that develop in childhood, as trite as it sounds, it's true. And so if, for instance, you have like an emotionally unavailable caregiver when you're young, then that is becomes sort of the psychological signature for what is love, what is considered love to you. So if very generalizing, but, you know, very common is the whole, okay, your dad is emotionally unavailable, you could continue to date emotionally unavailable guys. Well, if you break it down and you think about it, it actually makes sense because your brain associates hot and cold, emotionally unavailable behavior as love, if that's what you got early on in childhood. So that becomes an issue that you can tap on and clear away. And so what's really interesting about it is how the brain then works because there's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And I like to talk about this because when I say, oh, you clear your blocks and then different guys start showing up in your life, people think it sounds like magic. And I can tell you from experience, it feels like magic when it happens. However, it is not magic. It is science. So the reticular activating system is the part of our brain that is responsible for seeing and identifying patterns. It's the part of your brain that when you decide, okay, I think I'm going to get myself a new car. I'm going to get a Jeep. And suddenly you see Jeeps everywhere. And you think, were these always here before? (laughs) Okay. No, there are not more Jeeps that suddenly descended into your world. But what happened is your brain started looking for and identifying Jeeps because you made that conscious shift to identify Jeeps. So if you subconsciously are operating from this pattern that love is emotional unavailability, you're going to see and identify these emotionally unavailable guys. Those You'll go into a bar and there might be 10 great guys and two emotionally unavailable ones, but your brain's going to see the emotionally unavailable ones and you're going to be like, Ooh, that guy's attractive. There's going to be something juicy and attractive to you about that person based on that old psychological schema that you have. Change your internal blocks, your emotional attachment to these things. Suddenly you see and are attracted to different guys. And one of the stories that I tell in my book, which is just one of my favorites to exemplify this, is a woman who had done a lot of tapping, yes, but she had done a lot of things, just a lot of personal growth. She was into Reiki, all sorts of things, but she did a lot of EFT to clear her blocks. 
And she lived in a high-rise apartment building and for eight years. And after doing all this work, one day she's on the elevator and she gets in and she sees this guy, this objectively attractive guy. I have seen him. I've seen pictures. Most people, if they saw this guy, would be like, oh, he's handsome. Okay, he's that objectively attractive. He starts chatting her up. They hit it off. You know, he asks her out. They start dating. And a couple of dates in, he says, you know, I've been seeing you in this elevator for eight years and I always had a crush on you, but you just never paid any attention to me. And it turns out they're dating now. He's this great guy. And she just literally did not see him, even though she was standing in the elevator with him many, many times over eight years. That's wild. So like you brought up working through daddy issues. What are some other like things that you commonly see women who are dating work through with EFT? Well, I think just a lot of limiting beliefs are out there, especially at midlife, I would say probably anytime. But I know there's this thought that once you get divorced, that there's slim pickings, let's say, right? Of good men and that kind of thing. Or the older you get in dating, if you're in your 30s and dating, it's slim pickings, right? So that is this to me, very actually frustrating societal stigma that is put out there. And so a lot of women start dating or are dating and are thinking like, oh my God, there's no good guys. I'm screwed. You know, (laughs) all the good ones are already taken. And so all of those thoughts do what? They create fear. And so then you're going out and you're dating from this fearful perspective. What did we talk about? The fear drains (laughs) the blood from your frontal lobe. So you are not making your best decisions. You're not using your good logic and judgment and reasoning. You're operating from your mid and hind brain, which is the emotion center, which is going to be kind of just like pulled along for the ride by old childhood wounds and things like that. You're not, you're literally not making your best choices for yourself out of fear. And this is why I believe so many women end up settling and ignoring red flags, looking the other way, because they're just so filled with fear. They think, well, I got to take what I can get. Or he's not so bad. You know, at least it's this, this, and this, and not that, you know? So I just, I hear women all the time making excuses. And isn't it fascinating? I don't know if you see this with your friends, but how they can see it in their friends and they'll be like, oh, she's totally settling. Why is she putting up with that? but then they don't see it in themselves and their relationship, right? I called out on that. Yeah, it's, and this is, this is the thing. It's our brains and it's our reticular activating system. It is our, the part of our brain that doesn't want to see what we don't want to see and that is only seeing what it thinks we should be seeing. And so you really have to figure out what are the emotions that are keeping that in place. One of the things I talk about is, you know how when you're in regular talk therapy, you can have like some really good insight drop in and you can say, you could even say, oh, you know what? My mother was over overbearing and kind of enmeshed in my life. And now anytime a guy tries to get close to me, I push him away because that feels uncomfortable to me. So you can have that insight. You can figure that out. But then you still don't change. You still are pushing those guys away. That's where it gets really frustrating. And trust me, I was a regular traditional talk therapist for 20 years. So I love therapy. I think it can be great. But I do think that it has this limitation in that it really doesn't help you. It helps you to clear things in your mind, 
but not in your heart, in the emotions, in your body. And so what I love about the tapping is then we can sit there and we can work through and we can tap on and clear the fear of somebody getting too close, somebody getting in our business. And really the underlying fear under that is what it is. I'm not going to be able to hold my own boundaries. I'm not going to be able to keep myself safe. Therefore, I can't let this guy in because I don't trust myself. So then you can tap on, even though I don't trust myself, you know, and you can tap through that, the fear that gets brought up around that and clear it away. Wow. So when you are working with clients, are you giving them kind of like the outline to create their own EFT as they're going through this process and discovering new limiting beliefs? Or do you kind of help them with that? Do you have a worksheet that you use? How do you utilize that? So that's a great question. I actually have an eight-week online program that really immerses them in the process of clearing all of these blocks. And so it starts with sort of almost like trying to brainwash my clients into believing they are already the person in their ideal relationship. And then we sort of work backwards from there of what's getting in the way of that. And so there's sort of daily tasks that you do. We listen to subliminal messaging at night. We focus on some journaling every day to identify some of those blocks. And then we tap together as a group to clear out those blocks as we're going along. And the analogy I use, a lot of people in EFT use, is of table and legs. So if the tabletop is the problem you're trying to get rid of to collapse, you want to identify what are each individual leg and tap on one at a time. The thing I can tell you that people do struggle with with EFT is if you try to tap a little too general you're not going to get great results. You'll get some things like we talked about. You'll get those biological benefits. But if you're really looking for the big breakthroughs and the big clearing of huge blocks, it's really important to get very specific and do one at a time. That's when you're going to see some massive change. So for example, I had someone recently going through my program who started out saying, I am online dating and I get zero hits. Nobody, you know, no, nobody's chatting me up. I'm not seeing anyone I'm interested. It's just all awful. And it's like crickets out there. And so we started doing the work and I said, okay, so this is the table and we're going to look at what are the legs? What is each leg? And we started identifying not just some of the blocks with online dating that she was having, but also just in person that she was showing up at these events that were very co-ed, you know, lots of opportunities to meet single men. And she would always get there tired. And so I was like, okay, that's a leg. Because if you're going to get there and you're tired every single time, then you're not going to be up for meeting people. So let's start tapping on, even though I'm tired every time I have to go to these things and try to figure out what's underneath it. So I basically am a little bit of a detective with my clients, which is super fun. And some of that is they do it on their own with their journaling exercises and then come to me and some of it we do together to just explore what's underneath the tired. And then it turns out that it was really an avoidance strategy that her sneaky subconscious, this is what our brains do to us, unfortunately, was making her believe she was tired because actually she was scared of meeting somebody new, getting involved in a relationship, possibly getting hurt again, 
So this is all, we went down a deep rabbit hole, see, of like clearing, clearing, clearing to get at this. And I can tell you that halfway through the program, she showed up the next week and said, okay, I have two dates. And I'm chatting with so many guys. I can't keep them all straight. You were right. It's like a light switch. Once you clear enough, it just, boom, it, you become magnetic because the thing is, is that at our core, we are all these positive feelings that we're trying to get, right? At our core, we are love. We are joy. We are grateful. We're all these things that we're trying to muscle our way to through our brain. And my theory is rather than try to like force yourself into these feeling states, if you just clear the junk, like I always say, I always think of it like a closet full of crap, but like your golden heart is like in there, right? In this beautiful little case, it's in there. It's just buried by a bunch of stuff. And so when you start clearing that out, you can open the case and you can give your heart to someone else. Natural as can be. And when you are radiating love and joy and gratitude, men will start to see you and flock to you and be drawn in by you. And it's fascinating because it can happen online or in real life. You know, I've seen it so many times now that I can't deny it anymore. When somebody becomes magnetic, they, first of all, your reticular activating system suddenly sees guys online that you weren't seeing before. And second of all, suddenly those guys are seeing you. I can speak from personal experience that I had a situation where I was in a bad place online dating for several months. And I was like, not meeting anyone I was interested in, not connecting with anybody. I'd see guys, I was like, oh, that one has potential and they wouldn't match with me. And I was so frustrated. And I took a break and I did more work on myself, (laughs) which seems never ending sometimes, right? For all of us, but that's just how life is. It's a journey, not a destination. And when I went back a few months later in a better headspace, which I always recommend only online date, from a good headspace. We can talk more about that in a minute. But when I went back online, three guys matched with me who I had seen before and was interested in before and they hadn't connected with me. So all of a sudden they all did. And I actually ended up dating one for a few months. And it was very interesting because there is no rational explanation for that. It's just, it's an energetic thing. It's when you are magnetic, you are magnetic. And I'm sure most of the listeners can know this. It's also like, it can, it's not even necessarily with dating, right? It's just like with flow in life. It's like when you're having a good day, good shit just keeps on happening. You know, when you're having a bad day, bad things just keep on happening. Part of that is the reticular activating system because it's going to see bad things when you're in a bad mood and it's not going to see the good things, you know, and part of it is just getting into that energetic flow state that just allows you to continue to see and build upon those things. I talk about the use of like gratitude journals sometimes in in a little bit of a hater way. Not, (laughs) Not that I'm a complete hater on it. However, this is my issue with gratitude journals. That's that muscling your way into gratitude. It's like you're trying to force yourself to feel grateful. I'm gonna force myself to think of three things I'm grateful for today. Whereas if you can clear the things that you are resentful, bitter, frustrated, angry, if you can, you know, release and clear all of those negative feelings, guess what? You feel grateful. When you're no longer bitter, resentful, or angry, you're grateful. That's just, that's our natural state. That's who we are. So that's why I love the tapping because it clears all that junk out one piece at a time. And then love 
all this good feelings, that's our natural state. That's what bubbles up. Are you ready to start understanding yourself better, learning and recognizing your patterns, and really develop a relationship with yourself? If this sounds like you, the Unleashing My Power, a women's empowerment and gratitude journal is for you. This journal was specifically curated for women just like you to help you take back your power and develop and go to the next level in life. My friend Danielle and I created this journal because of our own experiences and what we were looking for in a daily practice to improve our connection to self and really become connected with ourselves. This is game-changing, and the feedback that we are getting from other women who have started using this journal is absolutely amazing. You can find it on Amazon, or you can go to jordandonnell.com slash journal, and it'll take you right there. I hope you enjoy. Be sure to go snag yours right away and leave me a review. Tell us what you think about it. Slide in the DMs. I know that your life will change when you start using this journal. So there's so many things I want to talk about. The first is you talked about the energy in when you were talking about that story of the woman. And our energy is so important. When you are coming in with good energy, you're going to attract more, right? And if you show up to a dating event, you show up to a launch of a program, you show up to a conversation with your boss with negative, bad energy, that's what you're attracting. And it's like the rule of law of attractions. There we go. One of those rules, ultimately, like like attracts like. And so when you work on your energy behind things, I think that that makes such a difference. And you talked about gratitude journal. I think that's so funny. I have a gratitude journal on Amazon and it's an empowerment and gratitude journal where yes, there is the focus on gratitude. However, there is also the focus on so many other parts that we as women have kind of shut off. And now you've got me inspired to make, go write an EFT to... (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Energy is so important. Mm -hmm. I did want to back up a little bit. You know, we brought up the word limiting belief. Mm -hmm. For the listeners, I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with what a limiting belief is. I would love for you to share kind of your definition of that. Okay. This is actually a great question. I don't think, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I don't think anyone's asked me this before. So I love it. I was just working with a client today actually on this concept because what gets really tricky is we tend to believe by the time we are adults that our limiting beliefs are facts. And our beliefs become wedged sort of up against who we are and our persona. And so we don't even see that a limiting belief is a belief. Some people might just say, you know, men suck. All men are cheaters. Let's use that one. That's a common. All men are cheaters, right? And that is a limiting belief because it is something that you believe that limits what you see and experience in the world. And if all men are cheaters. Your reticular activating system is going to continue to find men that cheat, to notice men that cheat. And literally, you're not, you're going to weed out and not see the ones who don't. So a limiting belief actually becomes 
who you are in a way because it influences your brain so much that you then start to create a reality that reflects back to you what you believe. And so anything that you believe that basically makes your world kind of smaller, truncated, um, negative, anything that is not a hard, cold fact, like not a scientific fact, if you will, can be a limiting belief. But we just don't tend to see it that way. And part of what I do with my clients, I always joke, is I try to like wedge. I say it's like taking a crowbar and I'm trying to wedge them away from their limiting beliefs that they are so stuck into holding on to. Uh, I had a client I was working with earlier today who has a limiting belief about that she has damaged goods. And she just truly believes that. And there's no giving that up. And there's no moving on from that. And if you believe that, then your world will be limited and you will have limited relationships, limited capacity for joy and love and, and intimacy and all those things that we do want, we all want. And she wants it too, but she has some very good reasons why she can't give that belief up because it's not, it doesn't feel safe to her psyche or her inner child, however you want to put it. It just doesn't feel safe because of experiences that she's had in the past to give up this idea that I am damaged goods. And so we worked on tapping with just, we tapped on the phrase, I'm open to the possibility that maybe (laughs) I might not be damaged goods. And we, and it's kind of, it, this is what I love about tapping too. It's a very gentle process if it's done right. It's, you just kind of want to gently chip away at these things because if our limiting beliefs become like a security blanket and a safety blanket or a badge of honor or however it is that we wear some of these limiting beliefs, then to just like have someone sledgehammer it and just pull it out from under us is, is too much. It's not, it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel comfortable and it's not very effective. It's not going to work actually. So we have to just kind of slowly chip away, slowly kind of clear it out. And to the point where We're always keeping our deepest self, our inner child, however you want to phrase that, safe and just letting her, him know that it's okay. And let's just consider that maybe there's this is just a belief and not a fact. Maybe. And then once you start to question things, that's when you're wedging that that little space in there. And when you're starting to be able to shift your way of seeing the world is when you start to question or get curious about things that you previously just thought were hard, cold fact. I love that. I love that. So you also brought up online dating from a good headspace. And I think that this is really important to talk about because online dating has a pretty, in my friend group at least, and and also with all the men that I date, a pretty negative connotation of that it sucks and that it's (laughs) very challenging. And sure, maybe there could be some facts to that. But also going into online dating in a good headspace is probably pretty important to seeing what there is to see in that space. I would love to hear your thoughts on online dating and all of that. Listen, I hear you. I've done it. I get it. So I created a tool that I talk about in the book that's just very simple, green, yellow, red light tool for online dating. And so 
I do talk a lot in the book about energy, being in your feminine energy, your goddess energy, because it's learn to date like a goddess, right? So what I say is, if you are in your full on highest vibe, goddess, empowered, I am awesome, I'm amazing kind of energy, that's green light energy. Green light energy is when you want to go online and look. And you have to be in that very, very, very high vibe place to get to have a good experience, basically, with online dating. If you are in what I call the red light space, which is negative, dating sucks, or I'm so lonely, I can't take this anymore, or I just, or a panic, like I really want to have a date before this wedding this summer or before the holidays or whatever, right? That's, those are all like fear and negativity energetic spaces. So that's red light energy. You don't want to go on in that because What's going to happen is, is you're going to, your particular activating system is only going to see the shitty guys and you're going to swipe right past the good ones anyway. And then it's going to make you even more depressed and more down and more negative. So you don't want to go on when you're in red light energy. So then yellow light energy is, you know, what it sounds like in between. Like you're not super negative, but you're not like feeling super goddessy high vibe. You're just kind of in the middle and you're like, eh, maybe I'll take a peek and see what's out there. Okay, so I also say yellow light energy, don't go online. Don't do it because you'll go on and you'll start seeing the bad ones and you'll very quickly jump down to red light energy. Yes, you're nodding. So I know you've experienced this. So this is the thing. And so that's what's tricky. And so I say only go on when you're green light and we're not green light a ton. Now, just like anything else, The more we practice getting into our goddessy high vibe green light energy, the more we will get into it. Like we were talking about at the beginning with the practicing meditation and all this kind of stuff. It's just like developing a muscle. Being in your, you know, highest vibe goddess energy is a skill that requires practice. It doesn't come natural to us. And it requires a little bit of brainwashing, a little bit of practice, maybe some visioning or some journaling, scripting people. Some of my clients do more visioning, some do more scripting. And just really sort of imagining yourself in that highest vibe place before you can even get there, the more you practice at that. If you spend you know, 10, 15 minutes a day really putting yourself into that space or really just downloading yourself with these positive assumptions of, I am a goddess. I deserve the best. Any man is lucky to be with me. Any man would move heaven and earth to be with me. If you can start to say that stuff, it's going to feel fake and weird at first. But if you say it every day, after a while, you'll start feeling it more. And these are the kinds of exercises we do in my program on a daily basis. And that's why I get women to shift so quickly in eight weeks to suddenly, you know, magnetizing in men because it's really a very, you're very inundated (laughs) with this brainwashing and this new assumption and this green light energy kind of space that you're trying to get in every single day. I love that. And that sounds so juicy and like just so pleasure filled to think about, you know, that person that you want to be, whatever that person is like every day to think about that. And then you go into dating, thinking about what you're really looking for from a partner and looking for the positive side. Like I could see how much that would transition the dating experience to being Mm -hmm. a much better experience. Yes. Yes. There's not it from it with the negative attitude. Right. And there's one caveat I want to say to that because I do think a lot of people do that kind of work, make their list of everything they're looking for in a partner or, you know, write a letter 
a year from now where you're talking about your partner. These things are amazing and I love them. They're great exercises. But the one caveat that I think is really important that a lot of dating coaches miss out there is you also have to start to focus on you, who you are in the relationship, the future version of you, because otherwise you're so focused on them. And then that is where you're kind of giving your power away. So, and that's when you show up on a date, giving your power away and not being as magnetic, because if you show up on a date and you're kind of like, Ooh, he's got all my stuff. I'm super into him. Then you're kind of having this like leaning forward, like I got to catch you and make you mine kind of energy, which is not very sexy and not very attractive to men, right? It's not goddess energy. Goddess energy, dating like a goddess is like lean back, pulled back. Let me see if I'm going to choose you just as much as you're choosing me. So let me see if you're choose worthy, right? So kind of flipping Cinderella on its head is what I talk about in my book. And really the only way to know how you're going to feel in that state is to mentally rehearse or mentally practice feeling that way. So when you are with your ideal guy, I mean, great, go make the list, figure out all the qualities you want. That's wonderful. But then take it a step further and imagine when I'm with my ideal guy, how am I going to feel? How's he going to treat me? What, what am I going to receive? How, you know, all that, like you're saying the juicy pleasure filled stuff. How, how am I going to feel physically, mentally, spiritually with this guy, that is what's going to then attract law of attraction. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know law of attraction is all about imagining that you're already in the wish fulfilled. And then it comes to you because you magnetically draw it in. So just spending that time really envisioning who you will be in your ideal relationship is going to bring your ideal relationship to you a whole lot sooner. Damn. That is so good. And I've never looked at it from that angle. And as somebody who's dating, I'm excited to think about that more. Like, what does that look like for me? Before we kind of wrap things up, I have kind of two last things. A, I want to hear all about your book. But B, I really want to know, can you look for love before you get your own shit together? (laughs) I love that because that is one of the chapters in my book. And I say, yes, I say 100% resounding yes. One of my big frustrations that I do discuss in the book was, I think I said, if one more person told me that all I needed to do was to find love was to love myself more, I was going to punch them in the face because I thought, I don't know what else to do. I do love myself. I, I do all these self-love practices and take care and da, 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 da. And I think that it is important to love yourself, obviously. And also there's no stop or destination on the road that says full self-love. It's not a thing. It doesn't exist. We're not going to get there. I remember very clearly watching an interview with Louise Hay when she first learned tapping and she was 79 years old. And for any of your listeners who don't know Louise Hay, she's basically the, I would say, founder of the self-help movement (laughs) in the 70s. And she had healed herself of all sorts of emotional and physical things over the years. And she's just just done so much to promote a lot of law of attraction and other kinds of techniques. And so she learns tapping at 79. And she says to the guy teaching her tapping, well, this is great. I'm going to use this now on all my issues. And I thought, oh my God, Louise Hay at 79? who's done all this work on herself. She still has issues at 79. Are you kidding me? I'm doomed. (laughs) The first thing that comes to mind is, 
Like, right. it's true. You know, I was but just talking to a girlfriend of mine today about how like it's sometimes you just wish there's an easy button. Like it's never done. Yeah. The healing is never done. Never done. The self never done. Never done. Like there is always work to do because you're uncovering new parts of you. You're changing. You're yes. You don't stay stagnant. I mean, ideally we don't stay stagnant. We're just continuing to un- uncover new things. And here's the thing. I feel like you will do a lot of that ongoing work in your most intimate relationship. So no, you are not going to have all your shit together when you find the love of your life because the love of your life is going to actually help you to continue to get your shit together. That's how it works. And I just feel like if it was true that all you needed to do was love yourself more to attract in your partner, then how are all these people, you know, getting married in their 20s? Like you can't tell me they were in full self-love then, (laughs) right? So I really don't think it's about that. I think that it is about finding that person that can help you on that journey that is also interested in self-learning, self-awareness, that can have those difficult conversations, that is willing to work through the conflict when it comes up in you know as healthy of a way as possible. None of us are going to be super healthy when we get in conflict with our most intimate partner. But what we learn from that conflict is invaluable to our own growth. And we will learn to love ourselves even more through that relationship. And I would add to that, you know, for me, my last three relationships, I have found very healing. Yeah. There is so much healing that can be done in a safe space, in partnership. And so I do think that there's surrogate partners out there, people who, I guess, pretend to be a partner to help support you on your journey. And you can find that in partnership. You you absolutely can heal with somebody and you don't have to have all of your shit together in order absolutely. to actually attract a partner. Right. So tell us about I, your book. So my book is basically divided up into different chapters where each chapter covers one of these topics that we're that we've already been ta- we've already discussed a lot of them. And so I'll talk about, you know, the principle, maybe a little bit about the science behind it and that of, you know, reticular activating system, all that good stuff. But then at the end of every chapter, I have a tapping script. So the reader can tap along. So the chapter on flipping Cinderella on their head. Okay. So even though it's hard for me to think about being a chooser rather than always focused on being chosen, I love and accept myself anyway. This is like the common phrase we use with tapping, right? And so at the end of that chapter or at the end of, like I mentioned, my the how to be a goddess in the bedroom sex chapter is all about just sort of opening up to being receptive and kind of being more open and less having your guard up or less in your head and thinking while you're in the bedroom, just kind of leaning back, being mindful, feeling the touch of their fingers on your skin, that kind of thing. But that's scary to a lot of women. So at the end of that chapter, there's a tapping script on, even though it feels scary to just open up and receive in the bedroom. I love and accept myself anyway. So that's sort of how the book is designed. It's designed as a little bit of a of a workbook, if you will, where you just kind of read. And I share a lot of personal stories because those are the books I like to read. So you get to read all about my dating adventures. And then you get to learn a little bit and then you get to tap away the blocks. And I can share a story that was very exciting. One of my single friends read the book and she had been seeing a therapist for a long time who 
week after week, she'd come in and complain, there's no guys out there. I'm never going to find a guy, yada, yada. And then she comes in the next week and she was like, okay, so I have all these dates. Can I can't keep these guys straight? And her therapist said, whoa, 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 what happened? What You've been in here for three months complaining that there's no good guys. And now you have all these dates. And she said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I read my friend's book and I did these tapping scripts. And all these guys just showed up. And most of them were not online. Most of them were in her world already. So wow. that was... That was high praise to me. I will say though, for anybody, all I, I will offer all of your readers something. They can go to my website and download a free e-copy if you want to have an electronic copy. So that's a freebie available on my website at learntodatelikeagoddess.com. But please don't read it and don't tap. <laughs> I've had people read it and don't do the tapping scripts. And I mean, I think it could be still good, but you're really going to get the magic. You're going to get the most out of it if you tap along with the tapping scripts. And if you're confused by tapping, there's my websites in there, my YouTube channel. You can go, you can see the video. If you're more of a visual learner, you can see how to do it. It's really pretty easy though, once you get the hang of it and once you get started. So if you're going to read my book, do the tapping. (laughs) Wait to go download that for the listeners that want to buy it. Paper, where can they find it at? It is on Amazon and I am Allison Jane, Allison with two L's and Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. And it's called Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess. Beautiful. And where else can the listeners find you at? So I am at learntodatelikeagoddess.com. I am also Allison Jane Goddess Maker on both TikTok and Instagram if you want to follow me there. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us about this. I am so excited to go grab your ebook and go through the tapping exercises. And this has been very informative. Yeah, great. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me on. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex, but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper, intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me, and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Donnell, go to coaching.jordandonnell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.